0: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Swedenborgianism 101. This is our second class on the subject, but if you didn't watch the first, no worries. We'll be diving into some pretty holistic uh, subjects about Emanuel Swedenborg and his Swedenborgianism. Now his Swedenborgianism is a little bit of a misnomer because all Swedenborgians have their own approach to spirituality and what you may call Swedenborgianism. Indeed, as we talked about in our first video, a lot of people have been inspired by Swedenborg, from Emerson to uh, William Blake and Helen Keller, uh, William James and, and others who don't necessarily use the term Swedenborgian, but We'll look specifically at what Emmanuel Swedenborg seemed to believe uh, was important about Swedenborgianism, and how it can speak to us today. And today we are going to start off Uh, just by highlighting a favorite book of mine introduced to me by uh, the dean of the Center for Swedenborgian Studies, uh, Reverend Dr. Jim Lawrence, uh, called The Power of Service, A Swedenborgian Approach to Social Issues in the 21st Century by J. Theodore Klein. Now, what's cool about this book, uh, besides its digestibility, in a, a sense at least, is its heavy subject matter, Uh, made digestible and connected with spirituality in such a way that I think just uplifts a really healthy approach to uh, encountering the world and uplifting community. So we won't spend too much time on it today but I'll just note that if you're curious about different social issues, uh, different ideas around uh, politics, how God, love, and wisdom tie into life in general and in community, uh, this book, The Power of Service, is a good place to start. Uh, if we were doing membership classes at my church right now in person, I would be highlighting different sections of this book, but I won't be doing that with this 101 class uh, with you all. And uh, instead, we'll touch on social issues as we kind of move through Our broader subject matter. Now, Swedenborg, crazy enough for someone in the 18th century, believed that aliens existed throughout the galaxy. Indeed, he thought aliens, at least the the sentient kind, the intelligent kind, also had their own connectedness with God and divinity. And like humanity, had a cultural diversity, of course, throughout every planet, uh, throughout the universe. And indeed, his ideas around Christianity tie into this kind of diverse idea of God's expression throughout the universe. Because he believed, although he he truly uh, felt and, and had faith and perhaps even saw that Christ was the incarnation of God on this planet, that you didn't necessarily have to know about Christ on the planet Earth to connect with Christ. Indeed, Christ, meaning Savior, points to God's salvation, God's empowerment, and uh, ability to uplift throughout the ages, even on our planet. So in his visions of heaven, as we covered before, there are many people in heaven, many even aliens in heaven, uh, who he calls angels. He thought angels were people who had passed. Now what I find interesting about his visions of aliens, I'm covering this for a specific reason, but we'll get to it uh, besides the fact that it's just cool. um, You know, kind of like this alien here, little Grogu from uh, Star Wars. uh, Aliens had a deep and have a deep insight into God, just like we do. And so there's something to be learned from Swedenborg's texts about the subject even though it seems a little weird. Now some folks will point to the alien texts and this idea that Swedenborg wrote about aliens is kind of a dismissing thing because he does talk about aliens even in our solar system on uh, or within the moon perhaps. Uh, But I'll note that Swedenborg's visions of aliens were in the spirit. And so his visions of aliens, when he places them throughout the galaxy, were spiritual ones. He even talks about kind of these spiritual connective uh, paths between the worlds that he was seeing, not the material planets. So I would suspect it was kind of hard for him to exactly say which star system, which planet he's seeing these aliens coming from as he was in the spirit when he, when he saw these aliens and, and interacted with them. Uh, so I wanted to cover that because it's an interesting thing if you dive into Swedenborg's uh, corpus of books, the planets, and, or the, the starry planets, and the alien uh, texts in his first big book called Secrets of Heaven can be a little bit confusing. But really he's talking about life just as he does In all of his theological explorations and wanderings. Now that takes us to something I think is really very important and uh, highlights essentially what we're going to talk about uh, for the entirety of our second lesson and that is how spirituality speaks to life. Now in front of me is an interesting book, uh, very pretty, published by the Swedenborg Foundation. And it is filled actually with multiple texts from Swedenborg, uh, his shorter books. If you ever decide to do a book talk or book discussion, I suggest looking at one of the texts in this larger work called the Shorter Works of 1763. And one of the ones I think is really kind of helpful in this uh, text is a small book called Life. And in life, Swedenborg highlights how the point of religion is not only love, but to do love, to become love. So to do good. And so he explores what doing good means and how, you know, sometimes we can be doing good for selfish reasons. And that letting go of those selfish modalities, rejecting or at least working to let go of our evil motives and actions helps us to foster God in the world. And so in this text, you'll see a bunch of little chapters talking about things that relate to that, how religion is all about how we live, and the religious way to live is to do good, um, how we should turn away from evils and accept the good. Now, you may be questioning, what is evil? What is good? And we've touched on it a little bit in these lessons. But I'll just remind us that, according to Swedenborg at least, evil can sometimes be hard to discern within ourselves. And it tends to connect back with selfish, destructive motivations, and more specifically putting self above more altruistic things, loving things, good things, and so, for example, You know, if if you're motivated for self-glory and you're willing to do harm towards others, that's evil. But so is being motivated by self-glory and walking down the road. Your motivations are twisted. You're worshiping yourself. Indeed, that's how Swedenborg interpreted the idea of Satan and devil and the devil in scripture. Now, that's not the only thing he says about it, of course him having such a uh, empowering and enlightening view of the afterlife heaven and hell but essentially even hell in the afterlife is made up of people who just love so to speak doing evil doing things for their own sake above anything else and so they create hell where they are and indeed distance and Difference in space in the afterlife, according to Swedenborg, is difference in spiritual space. Spiritual uh, motive, spirituality, and active, uh, active life. So it's interesting because hell is what we make of it, just like heaven. And so to be religious, at least according to Swedenborg's idea of religion or spirituality, is to work to let go of those things and to find Goodness, to find God in life. Now, of course, he has many texts about how important it is to have a relationship with God, to connect with uh, the divinity that empowers all healthy spirituality and religions. Indeed, he has many texts and, and uh, a lot of uh, effort behind highlighting how getting to know Christ, getting to know Jesus, is quite empowering and is essentially what we're doing, even if we, you know mispronounce the name, have a different tradition, or, or what have you. But I think it's, it's helpful to be aware that that's kind of the backbone of what he thinks religious life is all about. It's working to let go of some of the more hurtful things. And he lists some of them here. You know, he highlights how the Ten Commandments are, do a good job, even on a very literal level, highlighting what is hurtful and what can be evil. Now, of course, for Swedenborg, because he read all of scripture as having deeper meanings, he wouldn't just stop with the literal interpretation of each 10 commandment. For example, when we hear thou shalt not steal, according to Swedenborg, the deeper you go, the more that becomes thou shalt not claim our goodness, our life, our beauty as our own. So then you're you're stealing from God and you're stealing from the all of life that gives rise to each of us. And so, at least in a spiritual way, and so he uh, takes everything back down to those symbolic roots that he uh, explains is at the root of all creation. It's how humanity thinks. Uh, it's why Jesus always spoke in parable, and which we covered in the first video to an extent. Uh, but also he, he takes it to the, the purely literal, no, you shouldn't steal, shouldn't lie, you shouldn't kill, uh, etc. And so turning away from those things is the path of spirituality. Now, I think that can sometimes disconnect with our own encounters with religions in the past. Well, first of all, a lot of times religions uh, highlight how they're the only ones that are right, right? And tell us that if we don't get the idea right, we don't get the right book, we don't get the name of God right, you know, if we don't have a similar idea of history, then we are going to hell. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of religious folks will use that as an excuse to say, well, my compassion for you, I care for you, and so I'm going to try to convert you. I'm not gonna put up with you being different or, or being LGBTQ uh, or being whatever. And I think C- Christ, of course, speaks to something larger than that, embracing the other, embracing the stranger, embracing those of different spiritual paths. Indeed, Christ highlights the Good Samaritan as being someone who uh, essentially has a different faith than the Jews around him. In fact, that person wasn't Christian in that story either. The Good Samaritan was uh, from uh, Samaria, was from uh, a different line of Jewish thinking perhaps, it's hard to tell. And so it's interesting to think about how uh, Jesus' openness and love should impact how we live religiously, and then of course, how we sometimes fail to do that. Now, that's also to say that we all fail this in some way. We're all in our learning journey and our growing edges. But, There's something especially hurtful and uh, destructive, according to Swedenborg, about religious movements who don't even care to try to get this right, who center themselves on more uh, selfish orientations and dominating strategies, my way or the highway. Indeed, when Swedenborg uh, explored Revelation, which is uh, the last book of the Bible, one of the trippiest books of Uh, any sort that you'll ever read, full of symbols, you know, seven-eyed lambs, uh, all kinds of craziness, he uh, explores it and points out that all of these symbols actually speak back to spiritual health and journeying, and that indeed the monsters in that text, you might have heard of them, the beasts, the, um, you know, the whore of Babylon, not to, you know, vilify sex workers, although I'm sure there's some uh, healthier approaches to sexuality out there and and connecting with others. Um, He connects those monsters, according to the text, back to actually unhealthy spirituality. Uh, And if we're we're going to kind of throw Swedenborg under the bus, although I think he wouldn't think of it that way, uh, he actually stereotypes Catholics or at least the Catholic religion, as that type of monster, the Whore of Babylon, misusing the text. Now, I think the Catholic religion has grown by leaps and bounds since the 1700s. Of course, in the 18th century, when we're talking, when Swedenborg was writing, the Catholic Church had a lot of heinous practices that you can uh, Google if you'd like. And, of course, we've also seen the history of the Catholic Church's relationship with Uh, abuse, and uh, you could even have some constructive criticism around their policies of having only male uh, priests, of not allowing their priests to to marry, etc. Funny enough, the same thing could be said about Jedis. (laughs) Not the male part, but the not allowing them to even love. Uh, And we see in both histories, the, the fictional one and the reality of the Catholic Church, a type of destructive path since then, where a lot of uh, the the numbers are down with uh, Catholicism and religions in general, especially Christianity. Uh, And we see all the Jedis perish, of course, in that story, at least most of them. And so I think there's actually a lesson to be had uh, in that for each of us. And that's whether we're Catholic, whether we're Swedenborgian or Swedenborgian Catholic, vice versa, or Muslim or Buddhist, is when we turn to a more destructive orientation in our religions and make it so, um, you know, uh, carved in stone. We excommunicate people. Uh, we harm entire uh, families because of our religious, uh, you know, underpinnings and uh, ideas, and and actually because of our selfishness and our sense of superiority then there's a destructive path ahead of us. And indeed, we are in the midst of it, even if we seem to be in power. And so that is uh, another highlight that I had to cover for Swedenborgianism 101, because if you read uh, his text, Exploring Revelation, which is some of the only texts that Swedenborg published exploring scripture, besides his book, Secrets of Heaven on uh, Genesis, then you're, you're, you can't miss it. He starts it off by denouncing the Catholic religion, and so it's it's good to touch on. Now, uh, that being said, Swedenborg had a lot of stereotyping in his uh, texts, not just religious traditions, but sometimes in his spiritual journeys, he stereotypes, um, you know, Muslims or Mohammedans, as he puts them, or uh, Christians in different lights, etc and then later he'll run into Muslims or uh, what have you and they'll be angelic. And so his stereotyping seems to be uh, kind of how he writes. He he tends to stereotype in his text. So it's good to remember that if you're reading a stereotype from Swedenborg, he'll totally blow that out of the water a few paragraphs later. It's like, well, why are you stereotyping if, if you're going to say the opposite about some of them? Well, it's, it's how he wrote, I think. Uh, so good to keep in mind, especially when we think about Swedenborg and his uh, troubling comments around Jews often. Of course, this is pre-Holocaust, uh, but he was pretty uh, horrific in a certain lens uh, in his stereotyping of Jews often. And so it's not just Catholics. It's not just everybody uh, on this planet. It can be... Uh, you know, it can be anything and anyone. He stereotypes animals as being disconnected from God, from etc. So there's some issues in Swedenborg, at least from a modern lens. But I think it kind of ties back, especially when we keep in mind uh, the contextuality of Swedenborg, his idea that we all have room to grow. Now, funny enough, we see similarities in Buddhist texts and Sikhism and Hinduism, how uh, most animals, of course, aren't in a deeply spiritual path, although some naturalists and uh, spiritual folks today may disagree. Uh, But we see those traditions say the same thing, that uh, reincarnation journeys tend to Epitomize in the human being, not just on our planet, but on many planets. Funny enough, that's very similar to Swedenborg. Of course, Swedenborg wasn't a big one for reincarnation. That's good to keep in mind. Uh, Reincarnation, of course, being the journey towards uh, bliss, but beyond bliss in a lot of these traditions, finding our oneness with the Godhead and having to go through many, 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 billions of lives before we get the chance to be human so that we may have a chance to find oneness with the Godhead. So though those spiritualities have their own tough journeys to them, have a lot of constructive criticism for every single one of us. And I think it's just a mark of spiritual uh, paths that encourage growth, self-reflection, and letting go of uh, our sense of superiority, funny enough. What's interesting also about the connections between Swedenborg's ideas and a lot of these religions is that uh, Swedenborg also believed that the journey can continue in the next life, that there's more to learn in the spiritual world before we truly hanker down into heaven and hell. Of, of course, Buddhist texts and others will point to the reincarnation journey itself being sent back into it as hell. Uh, Buddhist texts use hell sometimes more scarily than anything I've read in the Bible uh, before. And so it's important to remember that some of the things that we have an issue with, uh, with uh, uh, Christianity and other spiritualities, uh, actually finds consistency between many traditions. And I think that is actually natural because think about your life, think about uh, our lives together. We can be in the mire of hell. We say it all the time. And so accepting the reality of hell is often an important step on the spiritual life and the spiritual journey. Just as Swedenborg highlights, we should not only accept that we have hellish tendencies in this life but we should work to reject them so we can avoid hell whether it's a reincarnation journey or hell itself in a spiritual sense uh, all of which interestingly enough uh, have their similarities so that is a good encapsulation of swedenborg on a couple different levels from his uh, criticism of religiosity from Uh, some of what he gets into when he explores scripture and revelation and other uh, internal meanings of the sacred texts, uh, to also Swedenborg's ideas around aliens and what it means to live a good life, no matter what planet or what country or culture uh, you're from. Now, uh, from there, Swedenborgianism can go in a billion different directions. There's so much to cover, but we're going to keep to the core of what I think is Swedenborgianism today. And one thing that we didn't talk about in our first video that I wanted to highlight is something you'll find uh, illuminated or at least explored in a lot of the uh, churches today, especially in the denomination that we are not in, at least this uh, community isn't directly connected with it, uh, the general church. And that's Swedenborg's idea that through these teachings, through uh, this illumination uh, inspired by God, God-given uh, power to uh, see into the afterlife, to, to explore the spiritual texts, Uh, to make these connections between scripture and the afterlife and our lives today uh, will eventually lead to a new church, a new uh, Jerusalem, as you will, as uh, Revelation highlights, that will transform the world. Now, there are multiple different uh, explorations of this in history. You'll talk to a minister from this church or that church, and they may explore it a little differently. Uh, But there's generally two camps of thought. There's the one that believes that this new church will primarily be a Swedenborgian type church and connect with the Swedenborgian thought of today. And that's a view, at least I believe, uh, largely held by the other denomination. And our denomination, which is a little bit more willing to lean into diversity, like LGBTQ pastors, we uh, have female Uh, Ministers as well, unlike the other denomination. Uh, Our interpretation of the new church uh, is a little wider, and that's that there's a movement in creation uh, that may have been inspired partly through this revelation from Swedenborg, uh, but is just uh, new because God is entering and connecting with people in new ways, uplifting people in new ways and furthering uh, God's kingdom on earth through the interactions of uh, millions and billions of people. And so the new church in that broader lens is uh, a new leaning into health and spirituality in the world. Now we don't always see it. Uh, We don't always see that new church right in front of us. In fact, we sometimes see the opposite of any type of church within or around us. Uh, But I think it actually has a good grounding in Swedenborg's idea of church because he defines church as the individual willing to connect with God in a healthy way and to let go of evils and uplift goodness in both motivation and act. And so the new church Uh, in this broader lens, is people finding new ways and better ways uh, to become healthier and maybe a rediscovering of God's light in its diversity. And so I uh, ask you to look within yourself and maybe uh, reflect on how the new church may be entering your life, whether it's through the inspiration of Swedenborgianism or life in general, uh, do you find yourself finding greater health today? I think there are trends in technology that empower this, even if we may laugh at some of them, uh, whether it's uh, TikTok or even Facebook when it was new, um, allowing for greater communication, greater insight into the family life. You know, back in the day, if, if you were a father, let's say, and you wanted to leave your family, you could sometimes easily do that and hardly anyone would know about it. Now, with the advent of Facebook and other things, it's much harder to take those steps away from your, your newborn with a thousand pictures of them and all your friends commenting and, and following and so a lot of the trends that we saw in the decades past, yes even into the 90s of broken families and uh, a a lot of um darkness and um you know ambiguity when it came to family life, we're seeing illumination and insight because people are more likely to share and we hold each other accountable. We're yeah, maybe it's not the best motivation, but we're more likely to want to stick with our families or friends, uh, avoid abusive relationships, things like that. So there's a light of God that shines through, I think, every facet of creation. Now, you may say, well, Facebook, you know, according to studies, leads to depression and all these things. Well, yes, there are some downsides. There is that equilibrium of heaven and hell, so to speak, uh, at times in these healthy modalities or things that can be used for health. They can also be used for harm. And that's the tendency of the human spirit today, to use these things in line with our motivations, our more destructive, hellish motivations. But I think that positive trend is there and we see it in our crime statistics. Uh, We don't always see it in other things though. And so maybe there's some new ways, some other ways to lean into health, such as in our economics uh, and our work life balance and other things that haven't yet been impacted by the modern age. Indeed, we see a steady downward trend and oppressive uh, modality when it comes to some of those things. But I have hope. You know, apps like TikTok that allow a lot of people, not just kids, there's uh, people of all ages on TikTok, to communicate in bite sized pieces all kinds of information. I see a new age of. Uh, digital life and information being shared, maybe empowerment in financial ways, empowerment definitely in uh, useful ways on, on an app like that. And a new age of celebrity as well, where we see people from all over uh, having some type of audience, just because of their you know, cute one minute videos with their cats, uh, their, their daily work, Uh, you know, cleaning out, uh, you know, uh, air conditioning and uh, building cabinets. We see people gaining audiences through apps like TikTok because of that bite-sized form and the quickness of it um, and able to share their values with other people, share their thoughts, uh, answer questions. The new age of a type of community that's empowered by technology very differently than something like Facebook or Instagram or uh, Twitter or some of these others. And so I think highlighting the health in these apps goes a long way because then maybe we can see also where the harm comes in and maybe how to mitigate those things, just as Swedenborg and the Bible and Christ encourages us to do in our daily living uh, and intending. So the new age, the new church, the new Jerusalem Uh, will descend like a majestic city out of heaven according to Revelation. And I think if we look around us, some of the improvements in our lives, we can see aspects of that. And where we don't see it, that's where we can feel called to change. And that gets me back to The Power of Service, that book that I uh, suggested you read at the beginning of our lesson today. And how it points out that giving that empowering others uh, towards greater life is a big part of the spiritual journey and pathway. Indeed, Swedenborg was deeply involved with politics. You know, Some people say, well, leave your Swedenborgianism out of politics or, or what have you. Uh, but I think our spiritualities inform the way we think about politics, and sometimes it's misused. Our politics will uh, maybe co-opt our spirituality Say, well, if you're Christian, you got to think this way and do this. But I think instead we need to center ourselves on healthy spirituality, uh, that journey, as we've talked about, towards the light, towards goodness, towards the diversity of society, and then that can inform our politics. And one uh, way it may inform our politics is more altruism in our giving as a world. We've seen the history of humanity, more of a village mindset than uh, we can ever really see today, at least in our Western spheres. We see people giving to each other. We see this village mindset allowing for uh, people of all stripes be empowered, uh, allowing for rehabilitation of addictions, uh, holding of those with mental illness in a place of connectivity and, and warmth and uh, a sharing of resources, of food and housing, and uh, a lot less fear and oppressiveness in general in these historical accounts of what it means to be a village. And funny enough, I don't think it's a coincidence that Swedenborg's explorations of the afterlife tend to center on these different communities coming together throughout the body of God in heaven that kind of like a cell has these disparate parts that make a worthwhile, healthy cell. Uh, Not that if it's dysfunctional, it's not worthwhile, but it will be broken down, right, by the body and made more useful. And so these different communities in heaven coming together in their diversity to uplift uh, their shared goals. He does talk about different communities in heaven having differences, just like Livers in the cell have differences between uh, what's in the bloodstream and and on and on. And so it's interesting to think about what it means to uplift heavenly community in its diversity with more altruism, more care, more goodness um, within it. And so, yes, the uh, suggestions of Swedenborg around life in his book Life are things that we should carry into every facet of creation. Indeed, he talks about how different organizations are kind of like larger bodies of a human, just like heaven is the largest body of uh, the divine human, of God. And that we should look at them in similar ways, not from the, the type of kind of economic lens where You know, uh, a corporation gets the benefits of being a human, but none of the downsides like being prosecuted or or what have you uh, in any real sense. No, more in a holistic way where we look at groups of people and we look at our society, we look at our organizations and lean into health and let go of more hurtful things. So on a personal level, that often not only involves just accepting that that's the reality, but a leaning into spiritual practice, finding meditative practices. I think pretty much every um, spiritual practice uplifted in the Christian tradition, or in almost every tradition I can think of, has a, a connectivity to a type of meditative lens It helps us to let go of our worries and our anxieties helps us to come into the moment and connect with life in a healthy and a more engaging way. That keeps us from the fears of the future that Christ suggests we let go of. Uh, that lets us uh, engage and, and perhaps heal from the traumas of the past because if we have PTSD, it's PTSD now that we care about. Uh, and be there for our communities for our families uh, uplifting life and uh, empowerment and so uh, truly that's what it comes down to all these uh, other things help inspire us to lean into what it means to engage with life in a loving caring uh, present way compassion helps us to engage with other people in the moment instead of thinking about dinner or or our ambitious plans. We're there with that person next to us or um, maybe on a Zoom call or there with the state of our family. Even if we're not connecting with them through a uh, phone call, we may be preparing something healthy for our family. We may be uh, be doing the dishes and uh, creating uh, some type of space for healthy development. I think leaning into this uh, type of present awareness uplifted in our spiritual practices brings us into engagement with Christ today, with Jesus, with Krishna, with Buddha, with the Buddha spirit within. Uh, It's all about that type of present moment engagement when you look at these holy texts. And Swedenborg, above uh, pretty much anyone I know, loved coming back to the scriptural text. He thought everything he taught and all his interpretations were out of scripture, were inspired by the Lord, inspired by angels, um, and were connected deeply within scripture. That's why he always highlights scripture, quotes scripture, uh, maybe more than we would sometimes like when we're reading Swedenborg. Um, because he really, truly believed that in the essence of what makes Scripture, Scripture, there's this healthy spirituality, these things that spoke to our ancestors, that spoke to these ancient groups and uplifted life. Indeed, even in the harder things in those texts, whether it's uh, you know, genocide or, or war-making, uh, of course, Swedenborg took those to be representative of letting go of evil, Because, of course, when when the the Israelites, for example, were told to kill all the people in a destructive town, uh, when we interpret that internally and we look at the destructive towns within, uh, we are asked to let go of it entirely and to save, actually, the one piece of it, the part of it that's actually serving our lives. We can see that in our addictions, our hurtful addictions, that there's a a level of presence it brings in our lives. We keep the presence, we let go of the harm, the addictive associations and the hurtful practices that aren't necessary to come into the moment, but we tend to create habits around because they do uplift that moment awareness, that present awareness. Um, it's, It's tough though, because these texts are hurtful. They're scary. They're talking about warmongering. Uh, And I think that's another reason why the symbolic basis of scripture should be uplifted. Not to escape the, the problem of the text. No, let's accept and engage with the problem of the text. But to be true to the purpose of the text, the roots of the text, as it defines it within itself. So, That's our Swedenborgianism 101 class for the day. Um, I think I hit most of the major subjects that I want to kind of broad view, explore in this series within these two videos. So I I, uh, thank you for sticking with me for these first two classes. Uh, In the future, we'll be diving into very specific things a little bit more but I I think from here you have a good sense of what it means uh, to be Swedenborgian, to uh, define what Swedenborgianism is in a broad context. You might've picked up on how it's a little tough to do uh, through exact measurements or words. Uh, Swedenborgianism is a diverse thing, just like the spiritual world, just like heaven and, and each of us. I think that's true for a lot of our terms, even when we try to pigeonhole them and stereotype. That's why it's also good to not escape the problems of Swedenborg stereotyping, because it stands in the face of of everything else about Swedenborg. So being aware that okay, he's stereotyping, but guess what? He he points out that there is diversity within each of these cultures, and and although he has a he has a critique for you know the Catholic religion or what he calls Mohammedanism at the time, he also talks about those people being in heaven as well. Uh, he has a critique for all Christianity at his time, indeed for all of humanity of his time. So, you know, none of us escape unscathed. Um, and so keeping that in mind, we'll lean into the health, let go of the hurt, and empower other people as we uh, take steps forward. And as we take steps forward, remembering that we are indeed loved.